All right, welcome to the Free Stretch Week 9 edition here at JoeBucksFan.com. I am Bobby Fenton. We are getting ready for the Bucks to try and get back to 500. They play in Houston on Sunday afternoon. It's a 1 o'clock kickoff on CBS where the 3 and 4 Bucks will take on the similarly 3 and 4 Texans and hope to come away with a win to break this losing streak they've been on after a 3 and 1 start, having lost 3 in a row and having not won at all since the bye week. So that's what we're faced with here as the Bucks are coming off two disappointing losses. And when I say two, I just mean since the bye. But I'll tell you one thing right now. What was really disappointing Thursday night watching the Bucks and the Bills, you ever watch a game, or not even sports, but you ever just have something negative happen in your life that you kind of saw coming a little bit, and when it actually happens, you're more upset about the things that led up to it or things that happened before it than you are about the thing because you knew this could have been maybe the word I'm looking for is assuaged a little bit. Had other things happened before the negative event that kind of softened the blow of the negative event a little bit. And that's a lot of words to basically say that watching the Bills game last Thursday night made me more pissed off, not about the Bills game, but about the Falcons game than it was about the Bills game. Because again, I, I never, I'm not one of these people that's ever going to say, oh, that's a loss. We're going to pencil in a loss or a win because you don't know. You never know. And I kind of hate when people say that. I've heard some of that talk in, uh, you know, with sports talk radio or just talking with friends or whatever. Oh, well, you know, that's a loss Thursday night in Buffalo. You didn't know that, okay? And the Bucks damn near won the game, actually, despite how they played. But, okay, yeah, odds were not against them. That was a low percentage shot. I would have been okay with that. But I am still, I'm sitting here recording this on Friday, Friday of the week after the game. So another game's been played since then. And I am still sitting here stewing about the loss to the Falcons at Raymond James Stadium because that was a big, big loss. It was every bit as big, if not bigger, than the win in New Orleans, which is still the last time the Bucs won a football game. It was still, it was as bad of a loss as that one was a big win. And it kind of erased all of that. And if the Bucs had been able to win that Falcons game, and I'm not going to dwell on it now, it's been two weeks, but I mean, if they had won that game, they'd be in total control in the NFC South, in the driver's seat, as it is now. They're here grinding it out, which I guess we should have known was how it was going to be. And it makes me wonder, I guess this is the overall theme of the show today, and I'm not going to do a long show here. We're getting ready for the Texans game. We'll see what happens, but we'll talk about the Texans game in a moment. But after what we've seen the past couple of weeks, and every week you learn a little bit more about your team and there are ups and downs and all those things, but what is it that you as a Bucks fan, and I assume if you're listening to this show that you're a Bucks fan, what is it that you're trying to get out of this season? I mean, you personally, like you out there listening right now, what is it you hope to get out of this season? We all want the same things, obviously. We want our teams to win the Super Bowl. But that's obviously never likely, no matter how good your team it is. It's always more unlikely than it is likely that that will happen. You want them to win the division. You want them to have home playoff games. You want all this, that, and the other. I'm looking at a Bucks team right now. And you have to keep in mind... You know, the big, or at least for me, the big picture always matters as much or more than the right now. So, you know, 2023 is important, of course. It's the only thing going on right now, the 2023 season. 
But it's not more important than the 2024 season or the 2025 season or, or beyond, right? I mean, it's just 2023 is what we have right now. And those other things are in the future, so you don't think about them as much. You're thinking about right now. But I know, and Joe on the website, the Joe Bucks fan, has written about this a few times, but the Bucks capologist Mike Greenberg, he's done a hell of a job, and Jason Light, at the very least, whatever else you want to say, of kind of condensing this salary cap mess they are in to one season. And it was worth it. We've said that before. They won the Super Bowl. That's the whole point. But they had to get in some cap trouble after the fact to do it, and that's where we are right now. But to those guys' credit, Jason Light and Mike Greenberg, the team capologist, okay, that stuff kind of goes away after this season. They had to eat a lot of you-know-what this year and, and deal with some issues, but it gets a lot better next year, and, and things will be able to get better. Their ability to do things will, the scope of the things they'll be able to do will widen considerably. And these are all good things. So, and nobody ever is going to say, oh, yeah, I mean, Jason Light's not going to say, well, you know, this year's going to suck, but we just got to do it, and then we'll get back to, you know, being able to do things the way we want to do them next season. And they are in a weak division, so you can always try and win the division. I mean, I'm not saying don't try to win the division, but I'll tell you where I am as a fan. I don't want much more out of this season than just to care a little bit. And I'm still well within the realm of caring. I haven't stopped caring. But in the back of my mind, I mean, you know the same thing I know. Let's say they do win the division. Let's say they pull it off. Let's say they get hot. Or even if they don't get hot, let's say they just grind out an 8-9 and nine or a 9-8 and eight or, you know, whatever it takes to win the division. And it's probably going to be 10-7, and seven, I'll bet, this year. Atlanta and New Orleans are not doing as poorly as I thought. That's why another reason this is. I thought, you know, maybe 9-8 and eight might be good enough. But anyway, the point is, let's say whatever that number is that it's enough. The Bucks win the division. And you remember last year's playoffs. We were excited for a few days there, right? We had that Monday game, so we got the extra day of being excited. Then the game started, and the Bucks were immediately dismissed from the playoffs, which they never belonged in in the first place. But thanks to the setup of the league's divisional format, they not only were allowed to be in, but were allowed to host a game. Hey, great. That was fun. Thanks for playing. They were nowhere near the level of the type of football you need to be playing to be in that tournament at that time of year. And I don't think they're going to be this year, even if they do qualify for it. And maybe you do. I mean, I've heard some people, you know, the trade deadline was this past week. And the NFL trade deadline is not exactly like the NHL trade deadline or the Major League Baseball trade deadline. Football trades are a little less common. You know, football rosters are constructed a lot differently. You don't see a lot of blockbuster moves and things like that. You know, it's just different. But I heard some people this week, because I listen to sports talk radio driving around. I'm on Twitter. I've got friends who are Bucks fans that talk to me, family, just like anybody else, okay? And it's the same refrain you hear with the Rays or, you know, any trade deadline ever for fans. Oh, it, it, they got to go all in. Some, I heard literally somebody said they have to go all in. And I thought to myself, what, are you out of your mind? All in on what? Vi, vi, when you go all in, like in poker, that's where the term comes from, all in. You go all in when the odds are in your favor. Like you want to get as much money in the pot when the odds are in your favor. You're never guaranteed anything. You don't know what the cards are underneath that next you know, card. But you do know that if you have what you've calculated in your mind is a 60% chance, 70% chance, whatever it is. Anything better than you know 50% then you'd rather have more money in there than not. That's when you go all in. 
this Bucks team doesn't need to go all in. All in on what? Wouldn't go all in on this at all. <laughs> I, I'm not saying fold to keep using poker analogies. But are you kidding me? Like, this is the team that you... And, and these people would say this any year, any time. It doesn't even matter. They, they want to go all in every year, which you can't do. But, I mean, think like, stop and think. I'm not, I'm not saying this. I'm not trying to get you guys to be less excited for the remaining... What do they have left? Uh, 11 games. Or 10 games. They have 10 games left. I'm not telling you not to be excited for those. But what, what are we trying to do here? I think what the Bucks are trying to do is get themselves set up to be in a better position for upcoming seasons, which they've done with the gyrations they did cap-wise. And in the meantime, sure, you try your best. I mean, they're not tanking or anything. But this isn't, and again, it's hard to look ahead. Nobody wants to look ahead. Life's too short. We don't even know. Who knows if we'll even be here a year from now? Nobody knows that. Nobody can guarantee that. So you think about right now. But realistically, I mean, this is not the season to go investing a ton of emotional capital on the success or not of the box, okay? They're just okay. Probably a little bit below average, but, you know, on their good days, they're average or above. And like I said, they're just all right. Maybe they can win a few here and there. The line is so fine that all these teams in the middle, which is where the Bucks reside, you know, you could take the 8th the best team and the 18th best team and somewhere in there, and there's almost no difference, and it comes down to a holding call here or, you know, a, a fumble there that bounces one way instead of the other. I mean, it's a lot more random than people want to admit. I always say that. So, yeah, you might, I mean, they, they might get lucky or something like that, or they might just, you know, be able to pull it off. I don't know. But realistically, you know, they're not one of those teams that's going to be around late in January. So, and I realized that watching the Falcons game. Like, I, and I'm not saying any one game defines a team because it doesn't, but that was a game where the Falcons gave them so many chances to win. And this is against a team who, again, is hardly a world beater. I mean, the Buffalo game on the road on a Thursday night, even that I could forgive. But that Falcons game, that was when I said, you know what? Hey, whatever happens, happens. I'm not going to get all up in arms about it. And I, I have no problem with the Bucs. And, and it's not just the Bucs. Most teams didn't do anything at the NFL trade deadline. But if anything, I would have been okay with the Bucs trading people to get draft picks and things like that. I have no issue with the Bucs not quote-unquote going for it. And, you know, giving up future capital to try and get a few Band-Aids for this year's club. Which, again, is just okay. And that's good. For me, that's good enough. First of all, they won the Super Bowl in 2020. I'm still riding that high. These Super Bowl... If you only say you're happy about the Super Bowl for the first 10 minutes after it's played, what's the point? So they did it. And I want to do it more, 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 of course. And beyond that, I want to be a perennial contender. You know, even if you don't win, the most fun of being a fan, honestly, isn't just the championships. It's being perennially good. Like what the Lightning have done. They're not really now this year doing it. But, you know, winning back-to-back Stanley Cups, but not just that. Got to two other Cup Finals. We're always in the Eastern Conference Finals year after year after year of entertainment, of fun, of being there in there with a chance. That's really the most fun thing. And the Bucks were able to do that from 1997 through you know, about 2000, well, pretty much after 2002, they, they won the division in 05, I guess. But that period there in the late 90s, early 2000s, they did it then. And they did it from 2020 to 2022. 
And you could even, I mean, maybe they'll win the division again this year. I'm not sure. But the point is, that's where I'm at as a fan right now. So I'm not going to freak out every single week about little things. I, mean, I, I probably will, but I'm going to try not to. And I have the big picture understanding now that what we're looking at with our football team in this year, 2023, is not necessarily a rebuilding year, but kind of a gap year, and then we can get everything right with the salary cap and, you know, see what happens going forward. And, you know, there are a lot of decisions that will have to be made, you know, after the season. Right now they're still playing, but they're playing games that matter. Like this weekend's game matters, okay? So that I, that makes me happy. I'm, as a fan, excited about Sunday afternoon, 1 o'clock. I'm looking forward to watching the football game. And if they can win and get to 4-4, four and four, again, this division's tight. It's going to be right there. Uh, Falcons and Saints both did not play well last week, so even though – you know, they're both ahead of the Bucks technically. I mean, the, the, the division is up for grabs, and they have games remaining against both of those teams. One, they've already beaten. Uh, they probably do have to win that Atlanta game on the road, you know, to get make sure they don't get two games and lose that tiebreaker and all that stuff. But other than that, they're in decent position. So we'll see as the season goes on. Now there's no NFC South. Actually, not just the Bucks, but I believe for any of the teams in the division – I don't think there's any NFC South games that will be played for a few weeks now, like until late November. So everybody's going to kind of go about their business outside the division, and we'll just see where we are once it we, once we hit Thanksgiving, and that's when it's going to really amp up. And until then, you try to bank wins any way you can. Bucks looking to go up against this Texans team, and like I said, I want to talk about this matchup a little bit. You've got a rookie quarterback, and I know what you're all going to say about rookie quarterbacks. With the Bucks, it's actually not as bad as you think, though. The Bucks against rookie quarterbacks since Todd Bowles has been here, whether it's as the defensive coordinator under Bruce Arians or as the head coach. Todd Bowles' Bucks defenses in five seasons now are seven and four against rookie quarterbacks. And the reason you probably think, "Well, that sounds better than I thought," if you hadn't looked it up, is because. There was a period before that from 2011 to 2018 where the Bucs were an astounding 3-11 versus rookie quarterbacks. And it seemed like every Tom, Dick, and Harry, whether it was an undrafted guy or a mid-round guy or a high-round guy, didn't matter. Hey, rookie quarterback, we're going to win this week, right? No, the Bucs would lose. It felt like every time. And that's what still sticks in your mind. But since Todd Bowles has been here, not too bad. 7-4 against rookie quarterbacks. C.J. Stratt has been playing pretty well as the quarterback of the Texans, and in fact, even better than it probably seems like he's been playing because he's been let down by a very poor running game, if that sounds familiar. Uh, he's actually got a league-high 43 pass attempts on third and long this season because of Houston's run game. Their rush success rate is only 35%. It's 29th. And so, yet, despite all that, They've done pretty well pass blocking. And again, this sounds a lot... The Bucks and Texans really sound similar if you just look at them on paper. Houston's offensive line ranks fourth in pass blocking efficiency since week five. But they've had a ton of injuries since then. In fact, they are on their fourth, not second or third even, their fourth center. They also lost... Uh, you know, they've lost Laramie Tunsil, starting left tackle. Titus Howard, their guard. Um, you know... Or excuse me, they had lost those guys. They've come back since then. But since those guys came back, they've played a little better. And yet now, they lost their third string center because they were already down their first two. It's going to be Michael Deiter getting the start across from Vita Vea. That obviously is something you would look at and say that bodes pretty well. 
uh, looking at the matchup. One thing with Stroud, you know, the Bucks like to blitz. The Bucks blitz on 39% of passing downs. That's the third highest rate in the NFL. And C.J. Stroud against the Blitz is 40 of 61 this year, 563 yards, four touchdowns. He's got a 117.0 passer rating against the Blitz. That is fourth in the NFL, so he likes it. He likes it when teams do what the Bucs like to do. So something will have to give. Will the Bucs mix things up? Will they continue to try to do what they like to do and blitz on a, a higher number of passing downs than your average team? I'll say this much. With the injuries that the um, Texans have on their offensive line, particularly at center, you'd like to think that they might be able to get some pressure just with their front four or front seven, whatever you want to call it. You know, I, I would hope that maybe they can get some action that way, not have to blitz as much. We'll see how that goes throughout the game. But it really does come down to pass rush. I mean, the Bucks defense, for example, which overall has been pretty good. The only thing they are really lacking, if you look at all these different numbers and metrics and ways to measure defenses, is third down defense. It's very bad for the Bucs. And not only that, but their third and long defense is historically bad. And the Bucs just don't get off the field. They're very good in the red zone. They're, but the Bucs defense ranks among the top five in the league in the red zone. And that's one reason why it feels like when you're watching these Buck games that the defense isn't doing that well. You're like, God, can we get a stop? Come on, let's go. And yet you look up at the scoreboard in the fourth quarter, and there's 13, 16, 20 points. I mean, even the Bills didn't score that many points. The Bucs could have easily have won that game. And the Falcons game, certainly. The, the Falcons did nothing in that game. A lot of that was because of three red zone turnovers, actually inside the 10. But that's my point. The Bucs defense has been... You know, the definition of bend but don't break. But they give up a lot of longer possessions. They do allow teams to move the ball down the field. They don't get off the field on third down nearly enough. And then they clamp down when they have to. And, you know, you look at the scoreboard, like I said, at the end of the day, if, if you're going to give up 20 points, 23 points or fewer on the defensive side of the ball, can't really complain much about that. But... That's been the, the way it's gone with the Bucks defense. So we'll see again with the team. And a big reason, like I said, third and long. You're giving up tons of third and longs. Your pass rush should be teeing off on third and long, right? I mean, that's how it works. Most teams, you know, it's it's third and 12. It's third and eight. You know what? Okay, our ears are pinned back. Let's go get the guy. And the Bucks do not get after the quarterback nearly enough. You hope to see a little more from this week given – the offensive line injuries that the Texans are facing. And we'll see how it goes. Baker Mayfield, similar to Stroud, in that he is better against rushing. He The more pass rushers, the better with Mayfield. His numbers get better the more he's rushed. Fewer defensive players in coverage. He does well against that. When teams don't pressure him and there's more guys in the defensive backfield, Mayfield doesn't do as well. A stat that may surprise you that I saw on Greg Allman's Twitter feed, who's he's the beat writer for the NFC South, uh, for uh, Fox Sports, he was with The Athletic. But it's a graph, and you'll see it if you go to Greg Allman's Twitter feed. It's a retweet. It shows you basically passing EPA per play from a clean pocket. So first of all, what stood out to me, and a lot of people may be surprised by this, how often Baker Mayfield throws from a clean pocket. He has the third most throws from a clean pocket, or the percentage-wise, I should say. Third highest percentage of his throws come from a clean pocket in the NFL. Only Joe Burrow and Derek Carr 
have seen more clean pockets, and they have a definition for it where you know you're you're not flushed out, you don't have to, you don't get touched, uh, 2.5 seconds, whatever it is. But third mother, the Bucks pass blocking everything everybody says about the offensive line, ah. and our run game is obviously one of the worst in not just the NFL, but one of the worst in a long time in the NFL. Pass pro has been fine. Pass pro has been fine, and so. Mayfield's EPA is middle of the pack, you know, overall in those situations, but he's not getting flushed out or rushed. I know he holds the ball a little bit longer than you'd like sometimes, and he trusts himself. The thing about Mayfield, everybody's been like, oh, God, I I, want to see Trask. It's pretty clear Mayfield's not the guy. I don't think Mayfield's like the long-term guy either, but right now I still think he's – there's this Kyle Trask mob that I didn't really realize existed as much as it does, but – you read like little things like the comments section on articles on Joe Buck's fan or on Twitter or things like that, and you realize how many people are clamoring for Kyle Trask. At least they do have one feather in their cap for those that say, oh, well, Trask would get murdered behind this offensive line with his lack of mobility. It, the numbers don't bear that out. There's actually been a fair number of clean pockets to throw from. I still don't think Trask would do that well because I don't think he's that good, but I think Mayfield, the Bucks have some misses. I'll say this. I don't think Mayfield's been nearly as bad as a lot of people say he has been. There are misses, though. And here's the thing with the Bucks' offense. It's not aggressive enough. First of all, the running game's not good. But second of all, they've been too reliant on that running game. And it's not an aggressive enough offense where they can miss shots because they don't take them very often. So when they get a guy, I mean, there was a couple plays against the Bills. And... You see from the all-22 view, oh man, that's there. Boom, hit it, and Mayfield misses it. It's just, you know, not terrible throws, but they just miss it, you know? And this offense can't afford that. Like, they cannot afford that. So I think he has missed, one, he's missed some open receivers just visually, and two, he's missed some throws to open receivers that you would like to have seen a good quarterback be able to complete those passes and even going back to the Detroit game, they had a couple of early home run balls that were there. They missed them. And, you know, I'm not saying they would have won the game if you changed one or two plays. But those are big plays, especially early in games. Those are big plays. And then you get behind, and then it's, you know, hard to come back. They know you're throwing and all that. So, you know, Mayfield's been not great. I'll say it that way. I don't think he's been terrible. And... When I look at the Bucks' woes on offense, I mean, he certainly gets a share of that blame. But I don't think we're in some situation where, oh, my God, Baker Mayfield, they have to make a shave, blah, blah, blah. Considering what's available to them, I don't think they do. You may see Kyle Trask at some point this year. Of course, an injury, you could see him anytime. But I, I don't think there's any type of anything in the offing involving Baker Mayfield. And, you know, I think the Bucks just have to absorb what's happened right now and, and come back and, get, and just find a way to get a win on Sunday and and work their way out of this. But looking at the situations, I always say, you know, look at the situations as well. And I don't know this, this is Dr. Bob. I always read Dr. Bob uh, on Twitter at Dr. Bob sports. He's one of those guys that'll give you like scenario, like, like special situations that apply to a certain game. It's a certain bounce back situation. And I guess it's based on, again, the, a team on a losing streak, like the Bucks. And it could be coming off of a you know extra rest plus you know you've lost two in a row whatever it is. The Bucks apply to one this week. That all time is two sixteen one eighteen and ten against the spread. So 
you know, I think the Bucks will play well this weekend. I think they're in a good spot. This is one of the few games they have a rest advantage playing on Thursday. They had the mini-bye this past week. There's actually several games where it's the opposite coming up in the schedule where the Bucks will be on shorter rest than their opponent. But this is one where they have the extra rest. And again, you want to see them capitalize on that. I mean, it's a good opportunity. They're in a good spot to, you know, I always like teams in the NFL. I, I, always, I learned this a long time ago. Not that I'm an expert gambler or anything, but... You know, you watch things and you process what you're seeing and you use that to make determinations about future things, right? Like you see a game and this team looked terrible. Oh man, okay, they suck. And the other team that they're playing next week, oh man, they had a big win. They look great. And okay, well, the team that looked great is going to beat the team that sucked. And no, in the NFL, it's the opposite. If you got two teams playing and one team played really poorly the week before and one team looked awesome... The team playing really poorly usually is the one that beats the team that played awesome the week before. It never stays. The NFL, it always regresses to the mean. Whatever it is, it, it, you look one way one week, a lot of times you, you look the other way the next week. And that's especially true with these middle-of-the-pack teams. And so, if nothing else, just given the way the Bucks have performed in recent weeks, I think they're due for a good bounce back. And the numbers historically bear that out with teams in their situation. Um you know, having a pretty impressive record historically. We'll see if it is enough. Oh, and speaking of historically, this is one of only two places, Houston, in the NFL, that the Bucks have never won a football game, okay? The Bucks are 0-6 in Houston all time. Four of those, 0-4 against the Oilers at the Astrodome. That's pre-95. They're only 0-2 at the actual Houston Texans. And so 0-6 all time. In Houston, they have won in Nashville against the Titans, so they've won a road game against that franchise, but they haven't won a road game against this franchise, but they've also never won in Houston, if that makes sense. 0-6 oh, all-time, and they're only 1-4. Actually, the Texans, I think, are the only team the Bucks haven't beaten more than once. Uh, they've beaten everybody in the NFL now. I mean, they made a couple other teams, but there's only two places in football the Bucks haven't won. The other one's Buffalo, which coincidentally they had a chance to do this past Thursday and didn't do that, so they'll have to wait eight more years for their next chance. But a chance to win in Houston, where the Bucks franchise has never notched a win. And speaking of uh, the Astrodome and the old Houston, did you see? I mean, the Titans played last night on Thursday night football, but on Sunday they wore their throwbacks. Even though I don't think they should be their throwbacks, those those belong to Houston in my opinion not Bud Adams, and the NFL should have done what they did with the Browns and the Ravens when Art Modell moved the Browns. He had to leave the Houston colors and name and history and just start fresh with the Ravens. Hey, you want to move your team? Fine. But the league should have negotiated that with the Adams family and Houston as well, and Tennessee could have been their own thing, and the Oilers today could still be the Oilers. Like the Houston Texans with their generic navy blue and red and their generic name, they could have still been the Houston Oilers. And those uniforms, my God, did you see them last week? I mean, similarly to the Bucks, you know, when they wore their orange a few weeks ago. It's amazing how many gorgeous uniforms just got shelled for no reason whatsoever just because shoe companies got involved. And now these teams wear them as throwbacks and everyone's like, whoa, that's awesome. And they're like, yeah, pretty cool, huh? Let's put them away for it. We won't wear them again for it. Like, you know you can still just make that your uniform, right? Like, you know... Like the Eagles, and I don't even mind what the Eagles wear now with their midnight green or whatever they call it. But the Eagles a few weeks ago on Sunday Night Football when they wore the Kelly green with the silver pants. I mean, you, you see it on TV and you're immediately like, oh my God, like this is a hundred times better than what they wear. 
And the same with like the Dolphins, and certainly the same with Houston. Oh my gosh. Somebody should wear it. If the Titans want to use them, wouldn't put the change of the logo? Although I love that oil, Derek. But seeing the Oilers uniforms on the field last week, I was like, whew. We got a lot of really good looks we're just leaving on the table so idiot shoe companies can act like eight-year-olds with crayons and draw the zaniest shit imaginable and trot it out there. And we, like, we take it seriously and pretend like, oh, well, modern times call for a modern uniform when in reality it has nothing to do with old or new. It just has to do with good taste and what looks good and what doesn't. But that's a tirade for another day. Looking ahead to the game on Sunday. Oh, injuries just to review. Like I said, Matt Filer and Logan Hall are both out for the Bucks. Everybody else is healthy, so you won't see Logan Hall out there, which will be pretty much like every other week anyway, I guess. But uh, also Filer out. Everybody else in. Texans, in addition to all the offensive line injuries, Robert Woods, wide receiver, is out. Damian Pierce, former Gator running back, who I loved at UF, and he didn't get nearly enough touches there under Dan Mullen, and he's blossomed. For Houston as a rookie last year and even in his second year, but now he's hurt and out for them this week as well. So with all that said, it's week nine. We're getting into the meat now, and it's really hitting me like, because like the high school season, for example, is so quick. Like this is the final regular season week of high school. They have the playoffs next week, but like this is the final regular season week. I'm going to the Jesuit Tampa Catholic game tonight, a great rivalry that I've played in. And I'm thinking like, wait, it's already week 11? I mean, like, football season just started, and, like, one regular season is already ending. College is getting to that back third. The NFL, with its longer season, you know, it it sustains us all the way through the holidays, luckily. But, man, it's going by quick. So, like, I'm talking about everything now. High school, college, pro. Everybody take a big, deep breath this weekend, and let's just start savoring this a little bit. I hate that we even have to talk about it so seemingly early, but, like, Football season goes by quick. It's one of the reasons it's the best sport. It's it's a commodity. It's scarcity. It's not like the other sports that they play every day or every other day and they play 800 games. So slow it down right now, folks. Don't rush through things. Just enjoy football for football's sake. We had a great slave. Hey, go to your local high school football game tonight. I always tell people that. Like High school football always needs all the support it can get. Whatever neighborhood you live in, there should be a game not too far from you. Take the kids, go out, enjoy it. I'm going to do that tonight and do that. Tomorrow's a great slate of college football. Of course, we got the Bucks and the Texans on Sunday at 1. Use it as an excuse. Get together. Have some people come over to the house. Go to your buddy's house. Go get a, uh, some food. Get a case of beer or whatever. Whatever it is you like to do. Like let's. We're in it in the thick of it right now. Enjoy it all. And wherever you are, be safe and have fun. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of the Free Stretch. Thanks to the Joes at JoeBucksFan.com. Oh, I got my clothes from Nothing Better Life. Go to the website. Nothing better than doing nothing. The website is NothingBetterLife.com. Our good friend, Andrew, who's a listener, he hooked me up with a couple of t-shirts and a bathing suit. I've already literally gotten compliments from people. I got the Don't Hound Me shirt, which people like the, you know, the double entendre there. Check them out nothingbetterlife.com and wherever you are this weekend take care of yourself have fun i'll talk to you next week in the meantime wherever you are good morning good afternoon good night and go bucks